Welcome to the Community Church Podcast. We had a very special service this week. We celebrated the baptisms of four children and had other discussions about family discipleship. I strongly encourage you to go watch those parts of the service. I'll leave a link to the YouTube video in the show notes. But this week's message is the ninth week of our series called Family Misconceptions. This week, Pastor Mike will be teaching from Ephesians 6 verse 4 and Deuteronomy 6 verses 6 through 9. Towards the end of the message, Todd Hicksonball, our children's ministry director, will join the discussion. If you'd like to take notes, there's a link for that in the show notes. Thanks for joining us, and without further ado, here's Pastor Mike. Well, we are going to dig back into kind of this last part of Ephesians and uh, in talking about, you know, the spiritual nurture of our children and really trying to focus on, on the spiritual aspect. And, and uh, so we're going to look at two verses today, Ephesians 6, verse 4, and then also in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And, and that's a, a vital passage in the Old Testament that the Jewish people saw as one of the most important passages, you know, of the whole, whole Old Testament. So let me start by reading those verses, Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children uh, to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And then it says in Deuteronomy, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them uh, as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets on your eyes, and you shall write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. We're going to talk a little bit about what that all means, but it's, it's so practical, so real. Let me open a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for the privilege that we do have to be here. Father, to be able to celebrate what you're doing, to celebrate these kids and their testimonies of life, to celebrate how you're working and bringing people into our church community, and the hope that we have because of faith the hope that we have in the midst of a confused world because we have the timeless truth of your word that still works, that still guides, that still um, puts kids on the right path. Father, I pray now your blessing on our time and upon our study of your word. Father, that you would encourage and challenge us as parents, that you would encourage and challenge grandparents and kids that are here today. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. There's a sense that we are in unprecedented times. There are all kinds of challenges that our kids face. You, know, you look at all the social media and all the things that you hear about, the damage that that can do and, and how difficult it is. The impact of COVID and how that's impacted our kids and their development. You know, uh, suddenly, you, know, you have numerous kids that don't even know what gender they are and that kind of confusion. You have an explosion of mental health problems and depression, not only amongst teens, but even amongst grade school age kids. And it's easy to feel overwhelmed. It's easy as parents. And, but in the midst of that, let me give you some encouragement. God's word speaks to us and it gives us principles that are true. And what we need to realize is that while times have changed, God's character has not changed. God's truth has not changed. Human nature has not changed. So we can still go back to these truths and they are every bit not only as relevant, but practical and bring hope and healing is, is the day where they were first written. And we've been looking at these last couple weeks, this passage in Ephesians, and looking at some really practical teaching about parenting and how do we do this. And, and if you haven't been with us, I'd invite you to go back and to access those online. And, but this morning, I want to really focus in on, on, out of all the things that we could do, the idea that the most important, the highest priority should be our investment in our kids' spiritual life. 
Even if we go back to Ephesians, you see in the book of Ephesians, this is what's emphasized. We saw a couple weeks ago in Ephesians 6.1, it says to children, um, you know, it starts off and it says, you know, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Then to parents, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So the beginning and the end of this whole section says the focus is that we need to, to focus on the Lord. That needs to be the center of our parenting that we need to be able to focus on his word and teaching his truth and helping kids discover relationship with the Lord. But even as we do that, how do we start? Well, I think one of the things that we do is we look at the context of Ephesians and you realize everything that he says to us as parents is built on what he first of all said to us in, fa in family and marriage, that there's a sense that we need to start parenting according to God's design for the family. And so if we look at this, we say, you know, okay, what has God taught? Over the, over the years, I've heard countless people say, you know, well, when we have kids, you know, they're the center of our life. You know, I'm going to sacrifice everything else to our kids, even a marriage. You know, this, we're going to put that on the back burner. I want to be the best parent that I want to be. I want to give my kids everything that I can. Now, is that a good idea? Is it the right thing to do? Is it biblical? Well, it sounds good, being sacrificial to our kids, sacrificing everything, but is that what the Bible teaches? And, and I'll ask, is that even the most loving and beneficial thing to do for our kids? See, so when we do it, what we're basically saying is, no, this family is now centered around our children. But the Bible teaches that the center of the family isn't the children. If you look in the Bible, it's really clear. The center of the family is the marriage, not the children. Now, I go, know this goes against the teaching of the world, you know, world's wisdom and even what is sometimes taught in churches. We're told that if you're really a loving parent, you will sacrifice everything for your child. You know, that's the, if you're going to do that, you're going to give up everything else. That's what matters most. And I, I've talked to parents and you know, sometimes that they will brag about how they do that. Oh, yeah, my kids, they're so busy. They're in this league and that league, and, and I'm driving them here, and we're seldom at home for dinner, and boy, I don't remember the last time I spent time with my spouse, and, and we're so busy. Well, let me step back and ask you, what are you teaching your children when you do that? What you're teaching them is that they're the center of the universe and that they should expect people to serve them and to organize their lives around them. Now, is that what you should be teaching your children? Is that what's good for them to hear? No, no, we should teach them they are important, but the center, not only the universe, the center of the family, isn't, it isn't them. It's not that everyone is there to serve them. The center of the family is the marriage. You see that all the way back to Genesis. You see in Genesis, when God is creating the family, where does he start? Genesis 2.24, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast his wife and they shall become one flesh. And so then you see in a few verses before what we're looking at in Ephesians 6, when it gets to parenting, in 531, Paul quotes this exact verse, word for word. And what he's doing and what the Bible is teaching is that the core of the family is when a man and woman come together, they make a lifelong commitment to each other, they join together as husband and wife as one flesh. The core of the family isn't the parent-child relationship. No, the husband-wife relationship existed before there were children, that's the fruit of that relationship. And, and they're there for a welcome addition. They're a, you know, a loved person that is welcome to be a part of that. But you know what? One day that child is going to go, and, and if it's a man, he's going to leave his father and mother and be, hold fast his wife, and they will become one flesh. 
And so while that parent-child relationship is vital, it's not the center. And if we understand that, we're going to understand that the greatest gift that you can give your children is a healthy marriage. It's a strong relationship between the husband and wife. Why? Because that's giving them a gift of security. It's giving them an example of love and commitment. Now, even in that, we need to realize that it's not only what our culture says, but even somewhat of our kids are hardwired from the time that they're young to try to come between us. You know, they're going to come, and when we're time alone, they're going to want to intervene. They're going to say, hey, I want to get in the middle of this. And we can often interpret that as, as them asking, am I important to you? Now, that's not the real question. Now, I don't think they understand this, but at the core, what they're asking is, am I the center of the universe? Am I the center of this family? And they're also asking, how tight is this marriage? How easy is it for someone to come between mom and dad? They're asking, how insecure should I be? That's what they want to know. How much can I trust that mommy and daddy are going to stay together and that nothing is going to come in between them? And I remember when we, we were challenged on this, my wife and I, and, and uh, when, when our kids were young. And, and I remember the one person that we were reading, they talked about how you should have couch time together. You should have time where it's just mom and dad. And, and when they come, they say, want to get in charge. You can say, no, this is just mom and daddy time. And even if they try to get on your lap, no, you just kind of hold each other. You just, you're together. There's nothing that's going to get between us. So we started doing this. And, and lo and behold, one of the first times our, our oldest, she starts to climb, climb up and she wants to get in the middle. And we said, no, this is mommy and daddy time. And so she literally climbs up in our lap. And so we start holding each other, hugging each other. And she's trying to squirm between us to the point that we're, you know, kind of saying, no, it's just mommy and daddy. And we literally rolled off the sofa. We're laying on the floor, you know, holding each other like this. And finally, she walks around. She says, I can't get between you. And she sees us laying on the floor. So she just comes and flops down her butt right on my face. And it's just kind of like, you know, if I can't get daddy, nobody's getting daddy. Now, there's something in our kids that are asking that question. And what we were telling our child is, she knows she was important. She knows because there's a lot of time that we were focused on her. But we're also telling her, mom and daddy are central. And we're going to protect that time and nothing's going to divide us. And it gives security. It gives, it gives, you know, it gives a sense of, of even what it means to be loved because she sees that being modeled between us. We need to make it a priority to spend our time, you know, and even if it's just day by day, that couch time and setting date times and, and saying, okay, we're going to make that commitment and barring a real emergency, nothing is going to stop that. The fact is, anytime that you make something a top priority, what that means is you're going to say yes to that priority and you're going to say no to other things that are important. Are time with your kids important? Yes, very much. But if it's a top priority to say, I'm going to protect and work on my marriage, even at times when you feel more distant and I don't feel like it, no, we need to pursue each other here, then what we're doing is we're saying no to our kids. I'm saying yes to this, and that means that you're going to want to do things, and no, this is just mom and dad time. Now, one of the real challenges of that is practically, especially with parents with young children, our kids are very persistent and, and diligent in the way they ask and even demand. I mean, I can remember times when my kids were young. You know, they would literally get in your face. They grab your face. They said, Dad, I need to go. You know, we need to go apple picking. We need to go on the hayride. We need to do this. Please take me. You know, Dad, if I don't go, I'm going to die. Please. You all relate to that? Now, the thing is, 
my wife generally doesn't do that. I mean, I can't remember the last time she came to me and said, Mike, we got to go on a date. We gotta, I need to go on a date with you. If I don't go on a date with you, I'm going to die. Please go on a date. You know, no, she doesn't do that. Now, the thing is, because of the demandingness of our kids, it's easy to say, because that seems more urgent, I put off marriage because, because there's, that's, there's not that demand. And we put off what is really most important to settle with more urgent. And in reality, we're doing harm not only to our marriage, but we're doing harm to our kids. And building on this, it's not only that we need to put that marriage first, but we need to realize that God calls us to do it in a way that, that it's a foundation that honors the God-given roles and responsibilities. So again, everything that he's talking about in Ephesians 6 is built on Ephesians 5, on marriage. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit your husbands. You know, honor your husbands. All these ideas. And what's it saying? Okay, husbands, if you want to be a good parent, love your wife. Love her as Christ loved the church sacrificially. You know, love her and, and treat her as beautiful even when she's not beautiful. Wives, husband, love your husbands well. Seek to honor him. Honor him even when he's an honorable because you, you love your wife, you honor your husband because God has placed honor on those roles. And here's what happens, is when our kids see us loving each other, honoring each other in that way, suddenly they realize, okay, now God's called me to honor my mom and dad, and I see mom and dad honoring each other, and it teaches them to honor us. It teaches them that, you know, how, how, this is how the family works. And we're making this pursuit of faith a priority and letting it see something that our kids work out. And, but ultimately, as we're doing that, it is that priority. Because there's a lot of things that are going to call for our attention, a lot of important, valuable things, even then as our kids, that we're going to invest in, in intellectual development. We help them with their homework, and some are even homeschooling, and, and social development, and spending time helping develop friends, and choosing the right friendships, and physical, and getting them on sports teams. And we have all these things that they're involved in, but we need to remember in the midst of that, while all those things are vital, the most important thing, the highest priority should be our kids' spiritual development. And again, you see it right here. What does it say? Raise them in the Lord. Make sure that you get that right. That's got to be vital. That is the thing that is eternal in nature. And the thing is that I could do a great job with my kids in all these other areas, but if they're a mess spiritually, it's not only a question of eternity. It's a question of all the other, you know, this, this, this relationship with God is the thing that causes everything else to work well. But do we really believe that the spiritual is most important? And one of the ways that we have to look at that is to say, what does my investment of time, what does my investment of resources with my kids say about what I really believe? See, we have to look at ourselves and say, well, how much time do I spend with my kids helping with them homework? And compare that to how much time I spend talking about the Bible or helping them apply biblical truths to our lives. It's not that homework is unimportant, but if I'm spending tons of time there and no time spiritually, it says something. How much time do I spend driving them to various sports activities and, and compare that to how much time I spend investing in the, training their heart and their character? Or even some of the things we have to ask. As kids get older, let's say they get on a team and they have suddenly games that are on Sunday or, or we've been involved in Wednesday night, but now they have practice on Wednesday night. What does it say if suddenly, not, not it's one time, it's, you know, but if we regularly say, well, okay, for this season, I'm going to drop out of Sunday morning worship, or for this season, we're going to drop out of Wednesday night because we're going to make sure that you stay on the sports league. Now, I don't want to be legalistic on this. It's not a rule about how many times. 
But here's what we have to ask. If we are doing that on a regular basis, we're communicating to our kids, God is the elective here in our life. And and so when we go through life, we're going to work to fit God in when he's convenient and when he doesn't, you know, when he doesn't um, conflict with the higher priorities of, of sports. Because if we're dropping worship and we're putting those things first, that's what we're communicating by our action. We've got to make that a priority. And we've got to say, okay, this is what we do. And we do it not only bringing them to church, but recognizing that it's, that it's, it's bringing them and then saying, okay, I'm, I'm not just turning them over to the church and let the church do it, but I'm then saying, okay, now I'm going to work with the church. So we really believe that our job as a church, Todd's job as children's pastor and Joseph as youth pastor, it isn't to do this for you. It isn't to have this conversation for you, for your kids. We want to start the conversation and then teach you how to complete it. We want to help you. Because ultimately, when you look at this, it's something that is done by modeling. It's, it's something that is accomplished by the way that we model it, by the way that we live it out. That's what Deuteronomy was talking about. When you have this passage that, that the Jewish people knew this was central to their faith. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Make sure you've got this own faith in your own heart, but then you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. Basically, it's not, don't have a devotion once, once in a while. Talk about it through life. Interact with it. And then it continues. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hands and they shall be on frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and in your gates. Now, it's not, some people are literally taking it where they'll, you know, have stuff that they'll put on their head or they'll, you know, have something on their door. That's not what it's saying. It's saying live in such a way that when people see you, it's as if it's written on your head. It's as if it's written on your doorframe. We interact with kids. We teach them in a way that isn't just the devotion. It isn't the rule, but it's teaching them through life. I, I, I love a story about this that, that we actually, we heard, we actually shared with our kids, we used um, and a father had some children, and one of the rules that he had was, okay, we're going to be careful what we watch, no R-rated movies. And so he had these teenage kids that came up and said, Dad, we you know, heard about this movie, and I know it's R-rated, um, you know, but I think we should see it. And she's, you know, we went to some people at church, and we read about it, and, and there's more pros and cons. And they said, well, here's what we found. Yeah, there are some profanities, and, you know, but it's not worse than TV. And there's some violence, but it's not that bad. And there is some nudity, but it's not that much. And the sex scenes are, are off, off screen, and, and uh, you know, it's implied. And people in our church, and we asked, they said, it wasn't that bad, but it's a blockbuster movie. Everyone's seeing it. And we're kind of left out with our friends if we can't talk about it. And, and, and it's got a really good story. It's actually got a good moral in the story. And so there's a lot of these pros, you know, that I think there's more pros than cons. Dad, will you let us see this movie? And the dad said, okay, well, let me think about it. And, and, um, and they thought, okay, maybe we won this argument. And they were all excited about it. And he said, well, I'll tell you tomorrow. And they come in the next day and they call him in the kitchen and he's got, you know, on the table there, he's got a tray of brownies. And he said, okay, I've, I've, I'm going to let you watch the movie after you have one of my brownies. Now, let me tell you about these brownies. These brownies are like the movie. They have more pros and cons. Let me tell you the pros. They're made with the best ingredients. You know, they're one of the best boxes of all. Fresh eggs, fresh milk, um, you know, award-winning recipe. I even put in the special effects of extra chocolate chips here. They made, they're made with loving hands of their dad, and, and they're, they're wonderful. Now, now, there's only one con. 
One con is that I took some dog poop from when our dog went potty this morning. I mixed them in the brownie, but I mixed them in really well, so you really shouldn't taste it. And they're cooked at 350 degrees, so it should cook out the bacteria, and it shouldn't really, you know, be that bad. And so, so it's, you know, a lot of pros. One con, and therefore, if you want to eat one of the brownie, what you're doing is you're eating a brownie that has just a little bit of crap in it, and it's not going to impact you. And that's just like. Watching this movie that has a little bit of smut in it—that's not going to impact you. You wouldn't guess what they would do. And you know, I shared this with my kids, and 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 there would be times they'd want to do something. I said, "You want me to make you a tray of brownies?" You know, okay, I mean, it's just. And the thing is, what I love about that—it's not just here's a rule or here's a yes or no. It's like, okay, let's talk about the content. Let's get you thinking about it, and applying that to your life. That's what we need to do as parents. But then the question: How do we do this? You know, it's what the primary method that God has given us for raising our kids spiritually. Um, I'm going to ask Todd to come and join me for this part. You know, because many of you are thinking, you know, I hear you talk about this, but I don't know how to do it. You know, it's you know, it's one thing for you to do it as a as a dad. You know, you're a pastor and you understand these things. But but even a couple weeks ago, you said you know our kids didn't come with an instruction manual. They didn't definitely didn't didn't with us and. And, and, and especially, I wasn't given this model. I don't know how to do this. And so, what we want to do is we want to say, okay, how do we do this? You know, a lot of people say the first thing is, well, well, I'll bring them to church. I'll give them to Todd on Sunday morning and let Todd have those discussions. And and then Joseph and and uh, well, let me ask you, a Todd. Um, many of us have done that. Is that is that a good response? How, how do you respond to someone who thinks I'm just going to bring them to church, give them to you, you do it for me? It's the old method, right? I take I take the kids to the Y to make them physically fit. I take them to school, get them tutors to help them with their grades, so that, they, that they're learning the things they need to learn. If you follow that logic, I take them to church for spiritual needs, right? Well, if we do that, we're actually not following in what God's design actually for discipling children is. You see. God wants something bigger than that. And, and to answer your question simply, I don't like it. But that's because I know there's a better way. And the Bible tells us very explicitly of how that goes, right? I am support personnel. Parents, families, you're the primary disciplers in your kid's life. And so that's important to realize, you know, we, again, we start the conversation, we don't have it. And, but then we want to treat, train you and help you to know how to continue it. Now, I know that you work with kids, but you also work with parents. And, and so when you look at this and you say, um, first of all, as a children's pastor, what is your role working with the parents in your role in this process? And then what is the parents' role? Sure. So, you know, people ask me all the time, oh, you must work with kids a ton. Right? You, 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 children's director, you, you do all this stuff with, with kids. So I work 45 hours a week, and you would laugh if you saw how many of those hours actually went to hanging out with kids. Most of my time is spent talking to grown-ups. Seriously. I spend more time talking with adults, talking with them about problems going on in their family, talking with them about things going on with their kids than I ever do talking to, to children. But, but that's not a waste of my time. That's actually a really good thing. And the reason why is, remember what I just said. Parents, families, grandparents that are raising kids, you're the primary discipler, not me. I'm just support personnel. Flip that around. 
what does that mean for you to be a primary discipler in your kid's life? Well, what that really means is, is that God's design and the way he, he, he outlined it in the Bible, and, and Pastor Mike, you've been talking about just now Deuteronomy chapter 6, which is a beautiful passage, really does give us the outline for it. And, and what we see when we read that passage is, is that parents are called to at all times be teaching and modeling things. And, and that really brings me to this principle that, that I think is really important. And that's this, more is caught than taught. For you as parents, for you as the family, your job is to be modeling all the time what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And, and that's, the, that's the role, right? So for you, it's to model. For me, it's to support. And I know even sometimes you look at it, and sometimes the question that we often ask, we think we're doing good, is, you know, after church, we ask our kids, what did you learn today? Is, is the famous that, question. Yes, you know, and that's a, that's a good question. Is it the right question? Is it the best question? Well, so what's their, really the answer, the, the question is, what is their response? Do you know what their response is? Nothing. I didn't learn anything. Now, is or, that because Mr. Todd's boring? Or I don't remember. Or I don't, I don't remember. Yeah. It's not because yeah. Joseph and Todd are boring. That's, that's not what it is. Matter of fact, what it is is because what do they have modeled for them? Most of the time, what, end, what they end up seeing is you complaining about the bald guy, what he was saying on Sunday morning. You didn't agree with him. You didn't like the worship that day. Your Sunday school class you know, wasn't as good as it always has been. And so all they ever have modeled for them is what not to like about church. That's condemning. Because if more is caught than taught, what we want our kids to, to see is us modeling what it means to have spiritual conversations and talk about things that they're learning, that you're learning at church. And so I think a better question is instead of asking the kids, you should be asking your spouse. You should be asking each other, what, so, so what did you learn today in service? And, and what did you learn in Sunday school? And, and, and talking about those things and starting that conversation and adding them into it and saying, you know, you've just heard what mom and dad have learned. You've just heard what grandma's learned. So, so what did you learn? That's a very different question with a lot different context than simply coming at them and saying, so what did you learn in Sunday school today? So if they, if they sense you're uncomfortable talking about spiritual things, you're teaching them to be uncomfortable. If you're, com you know, if you, if you're modeling, hey, here's what I'm learning, and you might be uncomfortable, but if you're pretending well you know, before them talking about spiritual things, that, that teaches them to do it as well. That's, that's vital. And, and the biggest thing is, is for parents to just go first. For, for your children, they're wanting to know that you care. They're wanting to know that you are doing these things these things too. One of the things I hear oftentimes from, from adults whenever they come is, you know, I got this problem, this problem, and this problem with my parents. Tell me more. And, and that's where the conversation goes. And, and oftentimes what we come around to in the conversation is, okay, and I, and I understand that you have these problems, you want to avoid them. So how about we be proactive and we try and we work on how we can change this in the lives of our kids. And I think it's an important thing. Now, some people will say, well, that's easy for y'all to talk to. You know, you went to Bible college, Pastor Mike's a pastor. He's, you know, he's, you know I'm, I'm, a, I'm a beginner in this. I'm just figuring out my own spiritual walk. I don't know how to talk about it myself, let alone how to tell my kids. And, and a lot of times we, we fail because we feel inadequate. 
Sure. So how do you how do you respond to that? Well, for one, you know, Pastor Mike, the pastoral staff, Joseph, myself, we're not hired guns. We get things wrong too, and, and we don't always live up to things the way that we're supposed to. So that's just not real, and every any one of us would tell you that. But but here's here's what ultimately God values, and here's what ultimately your children will value: you trying. You see, in, in Deuteronomy, whenever it talks about how to, to, write the, to write the words of God on the, the, the doorpost and to have it as frontlets in front of your eyes and all of that. What it's really communicating is an attitude and a posture. That's really what it's communicating. Now, for you, sometimes it might be, I don't know the answer to the question. <laughs> Maybe it's, I don't know the answer to the question a lot of times. But that's okay. Because you have Google, and you have the ability to ask any of the pastoral staff and find out answers to be able to continue these conversations. It's just that you try. Here's the way I like to describe it, is for kids, they, they, they go around in life and they, they wanna know black and white answers for everything. Children are very, very binary, it's black and white, it's ones and zeros. So all they need to know is that you're working with them and you're trying to help them figure out how to navigate all the things in their life, including the spiritual things. So even if you don't feel adequate, start somewhere. Start with prayer, pray with them. Talk to them, ask them what prayer requests they have, right? Talk about the people that you're praying for. Who are some of your friends at work that you need to pray for? Who are the people in your family that you're praying for? And then include them in that. It's just trying, it's working with them. Right now, we're doing a challenge. And downstairs, I've challenged all of our children if they can recite all 66 books of the Bible in order, some of them, by the way, are trying to do them out of order and still get the $20. Um, if they can do that, I'll give them a $20 bill, right? Grown-ups, how many of you would like that? If you can recite all 66 books of the Bible in order, you could get a $20 bill. You can't because you're grown-ups, but they can. Now, I've had three students so far do this. These are not fifth graders, by the way. Actually, only one of them is a fourth grader. The other two are a second grader and a third grader. Now, what's common amongst that is when I ask the kids, you know, how did you learn these so fast? And the answer is, mom and dad worked with me on it. I have a song that will get stuck in your head. All you have to do is be willing to listen to it on repeat and you can teach your kids the books of the Bible. It doesn't take knowing a lot of stuff. It just takes trying. I think one of the things too, I love an illustration that I learned from karate. You know I know karate? I do. Yeah. You told me this week. Yeah. Yeah, this, it took two lessons. <laughs> now, now, the thing is, is that, have you ever taken a karate lesson? No. I can teach you. Because I know more than you do. Good. And the lesson for karate is you could teach anyone at your belt level or below. And the, and the fact, fact is, is that I've got two lessons. I could teach someone who's never had a lesson. I can't teach you much, but I could teach you a little bit. And the thing is, you don't need to be a black belt to teach a white belt. You just have to be, you know, a white belt with a stripe or a yellow belt. And you could be a beginner. Now that's the thing here, is that our kids are all beginners. And if you've had two lessons and your kids have had no lessons, you're still more advanced, you can teach them. And I think even, you know, you say, well, well, you're the, when we started with parents, we weren't just trying to figure this out. We're reading books. We always had people that had kids that were older than us, we would learn from. We were always, we were, felt like we were just a step ahead of our kids. Sure. And we were just kind of like learning to say, okay, we want to stay a little ahead of them. If they're, you know, if they're at a yellow belt, we just need to be a little above them. But all of you realize if your kids are beginners, as long as you've had one more lesson than them, you can teach them. And uh, so don't, don't fail to do it because you feel inadequate. Just do what you know and then continue to learn. 
And we have plenty of resources too. Today's book, the book yeah. that's out in the, in the lobby, that's, that's one resource, Mike. You mentioned a couple of others at the beginning of, of your message today. And we're gonna continue to make more available. And we have, we're gonna put those yeah. in the library, we're gonna do all sorts of stuff. There are tons and tons and tons of resources that you can have access to that are going to directly be able to impact your kids. You don't have to wonder where they are. That's our job being here is to help you find them and to use them. Now, how about you have some people that are thinking, you know, I did that, my kids are grown, you know, it doesn't apply to me, or, or I wish you told me this 20 years ago. Um, you know, but basically, you know, what do you say to that older parent, that grandparent, that feel just uh, they don't have young kids at home? Here, here's what I would say to, to the grandparent is this. Um, you can still be praying with your grandkids. You can still be modeling these things when you, when you have, have time with them, right? That's always possible. But what about your own kids? You see, uh, I still call, I call my mother every day. And, and one of the things that, that happens quite frequently is, as I'll say, Mama, I need to, I need to uh, hear the things I need you to pray for, for me. Here are the things that I'm, I'm dealing with that, that I need your help thinking through. And, and he, Mom, here's, here's kind of what, what's going on in my life. Parents, you never stop being a parent. I'm 30 years old. I call my mother every day and, and I ask for her to pray for, about things with me. So if you have kids that are, that are older than me, 30, 40, even 50 years old, you never stop being a parent. More is always caught than taught and you still have influence. If you're sitting here going, you know, hey Todd, uh, I don't really have a relationship with, with my kids and because of that I don't have access to my grandkids. Prayer is a powerful tool. And prayer should never be overlooked because God does incredible and amazing things and oftentimes we don't see the results of what our prayers actually bring. And so you can always, always be praying for them. And for those of you who, who are, are really the primary spiritual developer and you're a grandparent, Here's the deal. All the stuff that we've just been talking about, you can do these things with your grandchildren on your own. There's so many reasons to be encouraged and there's so many resources available to do all of this. What I would say is, is that it's not too late to start now. Remember, you need to try, right? That's the, that's the requirement. If you're willing to try, God is willing to stand there with you. And so that's an important thing for us to, to remember. Lastly, let me build off that with the last closing word of encouragement. None of us do this perfectly. None of us are perfect parents. All of us have fallen short. And we need to realize that God is calling us to seek to be faithful while at the same time relying on God's grace. The fact is, if I do everything right and God doesn't show his grace to my kids, they don't come to know Christ, they're going to be lost. On the other hand, we've seen people where they come from non-Christian homes and and yet somehow God leads them to Christ. They go back and lead their parents to Christ. And there's God's grace is what matters. And we've got to be careful not to, you know, take the error of taking too much responsibility. Man, I messed up. I messed up my... No, the fact of the matter is, is that we do our part. But at the same point, I've got to realize that God, God works. I, there's so many things that I could sit there and say, man, we regret this. We regret this. We regret... All of us have messed up. And the fact is that what we call, what's the gospel? God, here's my break, brokenness, here's my weakness. I realize I can't fix it. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to give me grace to do right, bring in righteousness I don't have. We do that with our kids. God, here's where I am as a parent, and I realize that, you know, that I need you. The greatest need is for God's intervention in their life, to pray for God's intervention. And, and never give up hope. 
you know, because it's not about their ability to change or my ability to do it right or to somehow convince them. It's about God's ability to change a heart. And so we persevere. But the thing is, is how does he do? Well, he calls us Deuteronomy 6. We do our part. There's a sense that what has he called us? It's our job is to share the truth. It's to live it out. And even, as, even if we haven't done that, start of it, we can come and say, you know, you know, in fact, it was interesting uh, talking to Fran. She said it was okay for me to share this. We shared this story of these kids that were being baptized, and praise God. And Franz, Franz who's helping with the little girls up there, you know, said, boy, I didn't do this with my kids when they were young. And, and, and I, and, but, but I knew her story, and I knew she had a son that she says, okay, I've come to know Christ. I've really been trying. I'm living a testimony, but he's had years in addiction. And a couple years ago, we celebrated. He came to know Christ. And just a couple weeks and weekends ago, he got married. And she's telling me about the gospel-centered nature of this wedding. And, and, you, and you say, what, what is that? It's a mom that said, I'm going to start here doing what's right. And I'm going to pray and ask God to work. And we celebrate God works. See, in this, we realize our job is to share the truth and then pray for God to work. And there may be some here that you're sitting there saying, man, I've fallen short. And okay, well, come before God and acknowledge that. You know, even with your kids, tell them, okay, here's where I've not been a good dad and a good mom. Let, you know, let God's work and God's, you know, even repentance in your life be an example for them. Let how you're learning be an example for them. And God will use that in powerful ways. And then pray for God to work. Pray that God continues to change you. Pray that God works in your kid's life. God's doing some amazing things. Uh, but I think the, the, you know, the miracles that he's doing are just beginning. Uh, but it's bringing ourselves before him, bringing our kids before him, and praying that he will do the work that only he can do. We seek to be faithful. We seek, our job is to share the truth and then pray for God to intervene and do the rest. And that is it for this week's message. If you have any questions about the message, our church, or Jesus Christ, send us a text to 330-400-3242. You can learn more about our events and community groups online at ccpl.life connect. There you can also send in a prayer request. We would love to pray for you. Have a blessed Lord's Day, and we'll see you next week.